On this Saturday night, I was not planning on recording any kind of podcast. Uh, I wasn't planning on talking about the, the Mets who suck, whose season's been over for weeks now. I wasn't planning on any of that. But after I got my son to sleep and after my wife said, I can't watch this garbage baseball team, I'm going to go upstairs, I continued watching this Met game. And I felt the need to turn the microphone on. And the game isn't over, by the way. I am recording this, I'd say, a minute or two after Matt Kemp hit a grand slam against Robert Gazelman. And I'm recording this podcast. We'll call it the Met Suck Edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. That's what we'll call it. Because when I think it's going to just end and it's not going to get worse, it gets worse. When I think... It can't get more pathetic. It gets more pathetic. Because for a while now, we've known, well, the Mets aren't going anywhere. They're not any good. And even bad teams, look at the Reds. Look at the Cincinnati Reds who win every night. What, they won five in a row, six in a row. Even these bad teams will have stretches where they look competent. And you're sitting here with this garbage baseball team, and you're waiting for that moment of competence. And you thought you had it. When they won a few games in a row, that game they pulled out of their ass against the Diamondbacks, they win a game against the Rockies, and you're thinking, holy crap, all right, oh, they're only seven games under 500. All right, maybe, maybe this is the run they're going to make. And what we've seen since then, the series in Colorado, the garbage Friday night at City Field, and now the garbage tonight, you start to wonder, is this team just going to go into a malaise and literally lose 100 games? Is that really where we're going? And I know this may not sound fair, and you know what? I don't really care about being fair because I'm recording a podcast on a Saturday night at God knows what time. It's not even that late. It's honestly not that late. That's the pathetic part. It's not that late. I'm recording this at, you know, 945 or whatever it is. But I can't stand this manager. I know. I know it's not his fault. I know you're listening and you're saying, come on, this team's a lot. Is it Mickey Calloway's fault that every freaking time they have a man on base, they can't get a big hit? No, I get that. I understand it's not his fault. But I can't look at him anymore. I can't look at him anymore because every time he opens his mouth, I got to hear, well, we're playing a lot of close games. I heard that crap repeated by the Fox broadcast tonight, that Mickey Calloway has said the Mets are playing a lot of close games. Who gives a crap if they're playing close games? I mean, seriously. You don't think in the course of baseball history a lot of bad baseball teams haven't played a lot of close games and lost? What does it say about you, this manager, that you guys lose close games on a nightly basis. What does it say about you? And, you know, I can't. I, this is why I love going to games, because I don't want to hear the broadcast. I don't want to hear as Todd Frazier's taking a fastball right down the middle. I mean, right down the chute with a runner on third and one out. They're pressing. Uh, it's clearly, that looks like Todd Frazier is pressing. It's starting to get mental. Yet earlier in the game, Fox is telling me, the Mets are so relaxed. Boy, gee, you wouldn't even know they're 11 games under 500. Make up your mind. What is it? Are they relaxed? Are they pressing? What is it? But tonight, to me, is just the continuing rock bottom of not only this franchise, this season, everything about it. Because you've got your man on the mound, Big Jake. And I get Jake wasn't great. I understand. You know, four pitches into the game, Max Muncy's hit one of the moon. I get it. He ran into trouble in the fourth inning. Even though that Chris Taylor pitch is close, he still gave up a bases-clearing double. I get it. Two-run double. I understand. Jake wasn't great. 
But you know what stinks for Jake? Jake pitches six innings. He allows three runs. And for him, you know he has no shot, especially because this offense, every time they get a man on base, you're waiting to see how are they not going to score the runner. That's literally what it comes down to. When they get Kershaw out of the game, because they hit Kershaw, they scored a couple of runs against Kershaw. They had a couple of hits with runners in scoring position against Clayton Kershaw. And by the way, Clayton Kershaw was treating the New York Mets as a rehab start. Understand that. Understand that Clayton Kershaw didn't want to go to Omaha. I know the weather wasn't bad, but he knows the Met lineup, and he knows why not just face the Mets? Why not have a rehab start against them? And the Mets did okay against Kershaw. I get it. But the immortal Caleb Ferguson comes in with his 9 ERA, and when he walks Jose Batista lead off the inning, I say to myself, all right, they're not going to score, but how, how are they not going to score? And this one was easy. You know, Mesoraco grounds out, a couple of strikeouts. Okay, okay, no big deal. Nothing too creative here. The fifth inning was pretty creative, though. I got to hand it to him. You know, Nimmo gets a hit, one of the only guys who shows a pulse. Todd Frazier gets a meaningless hit. And by the way, that's become a parallel. Todd Frazier, meaningless hit. I think that's what all of his hits have been, just completely freaking meaningless. Don't tell me about a home run against the Yankees. I don't care. They are set up with first and third and nobody out. And as Drupal Cabrera, who, by the way, uh, I'll tell you, you talk about the rose coming off that petal or the petal coming off that rose or the sparkle coming off that diamond, whatever stupid analogy you want to use, I'm using all of them. As Drupal Cabrera, he battles, you know. That's what Mickey will tell you. He battled. You know, he had a good at-bat. He came close to driving the run in, except he didn't, except he struck out. And then Wilmer Flores struck out. And then Michael Conforto hits the little ground ball to first base. And the Mets have first and third. Nobody out down a run. They can't score. <laughs> they can't freaking score against Caleb Ferguson. I mean, come on. <sighs> but wait, but wait. It was going to get worse. Because Brandon Nimmo, again, only guy with a pulse on this team, Hits a triple in which I don't know what Cody Bellinger was doing in center field. I have no idea. Fox made the excuse he lost it in the lights. Okay, fine. Whatever it was, Brandon Nimmo gets a triple. And you knew, come on, whether you're listening to this Saturday night or Sunday morning or next week, it doesn't matter. You knew, well, they're not scoring here. Because the Mets are not going to get Jacob DeGrom off the hook. They're not. You know, they're, they're definitely letting Jacob DeGrom lose this game. And by the way, I care about that because what else is there to care about from this season? The only thing left is Jacob DeGrom. And I got some things about that I want to get to and how ticked off I am at Med fans. But I'll get to that later. I don't know if this is a, a podcast more than it is a therapy session. I'm not sure. But there's Todd Frazier. And you know what? I do want to go back to whenever they signed him. What was that, February when they signed him? I want to go back to February. You know what? I was right about this guy. What a waste. Now, I was wrong about who they should have signed because I recommended Eduardo Nunez. He sucks, too. But Todd Frazier, I know he's got, the, he's got the New York feel, the New Jersey feel. He's got his gimmicks he likes to throw out there. Go work for the WWE with all the gimmicks you have. Oh, we got a salt and shaker, thumbs down, thumbs up. I don't care about shtick. I don't care about T-shirts. I care about production. And let's face it, the guy hasn't produced. It seems like all of his hits are completely meaningless. So here he is with a runner on third and one out, and on one and two, he takes a fastball right down the plate. And you knew his dribble's not coming through. Why would he come through? He's done nothing. He's cooled off. Trade his ass as soon as you can, by the way. I'm really sick of looking at everybody. 
So now they don't score in the seventh inning. And now we're at a crossroads here. We're at a crossroads. Either this is going to continue to be tantalizing, where it's going to be frustrating, and the Mets are going to lose this brutal one-run game. Either that's going to happen, or the Dodgers are going to put the hammer down. That's what's going to Either way, well, the Mets are going to lose. It's just a matter of torture or hammer down. And in the most Metsian way possible, the hammer is placed down. Now, I get it that Yasiel Puig doesn't really care about anything, so he's jogging on that blooper. But Michael Conforto, and you could take that Friday night catch, which I never want to see a replay again, ever again. It was a great catch. Fantastic. Let's move on. How about his defense in the game Saturday night? The game I'm talking about right now. How about his defense there? Oh, yeah, he was great. How about him dropping a fly ball in the outfield that the official scorers actually had the balls to call a triple? It went off the heel of his glove, and it's a triple. Are you? <laughs> Come on. That's an error in fan baseball. That's an error in the major leagues. But okay, that's fine. How about on the, the blooper that Puig hits? Conforto's running backwards. Now he realizes, oh, maybe I should come in. And he dives, and he misses it. And to his credit, he makes a nice throw to second base because Puig is lallygagging, so he's able to throw him out. Okay, great. Let's intentionally walk Yasmani Grandal. Fine, whatever. Go for the double play. And Enrique Hernandez lays down a bunt. Mickey Calloway had no idea Suicide Squeed existed. Had no idea. Nobody's prepared for it because Mickey, who's is so brilliant, he's so freaking smart, had no idea this could happen. Gazelman shovels it. Run scores, infield hit by that douche Chase Utley that nobody likes. And, of course, Matt Kemp hits a grand slam, and that's why I'm here. I'm here because I can't watch the rest of this game. I mean, I'm lying to you. I have it on right now. Batista hit a home run. It's 8-3. to three. But that grand slam, as it nestled into the seats in left field, is just the reminder that this season not only is awful, not only is going nowhere, but when you think it's rock bottom, it just goes lower and lower and lower and lower. And as I sit here right now, because I'm pissed, I would tell you that I would trade every freaking guy on this team. Now, I know that's not rational. I understand that. I got a text message from a guy who uh, played baseball with me. He actually goes to Met games wearing a cape. He's that sick. He's a very, very sick man. He calls himself Met Man, and he texted me this. The team needs to be torn apart, and he names three guys he wants to keep. What an idiot. Nimmo, Conforto, and Syndergaard. Trade everyone and anyone else you can get anything decent for. Yeah, you got to keep Noah Syndergaard. What, a, what an iron man. He's made so many starts the last two years. I'm getting sick of that, too. I really am. I understand it's not all his fault with injuries, but injuries are a part of how you make decisions about people. Whether it's their fault or it's not their fault, I don't think it's Jeremy Lin's fault that he can't stay on the court, but you know what? You have to make decisions about guys. And that's not me saying you have to trade Noah Syndergaard. I'm not saying that, but I'm certainly not saying I put him to the side and say, oh, I can't trade Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, God forbid you trade a guy who has a freaking finger injury and we haven't seen him in a month. And I don't want to hear, well, there's no point of bringing him back now. The Mets are buried. No, I want to see this guy pitch. Have we seen this guy pitch a full season? I know we have. But how about another full season? Because it didn't happen last year, and it's certainly not happening this year.
I don't know what I would do with this team because I hate everybody right now. I mean, outside of Jacob DeGrom and I guess Brandon Nimmo, and I don't know what Brandon Nimmo is. I give Alderson credit. He didn't trade him for Andrew McCutcheon, though that was more about money, but okay. He didn't trade him for Josh Harrison, even though that was more about money. Okay. Brandon Nimmo does look like a young, solid player. Is he a superstar? Probably never going to be one of those, but I think he's good. Okay? He's good. What do you want from me? You want me to put him in the freaking Hall of Fame? He's good. Outside of that, the Todd Frazier contract was a mistake, all right? There was no point of him. As Drupal Cabrera has probably no value, they should trade him. Wilmar Flores is okay. He's a part-time player at best. Michael Conforto is so streaky that as I sit here today, I don't know what he is either. Jose Batista, I mean, I, I, I understand he's producing, but Jose Batista is one of those guys. It's a long, long list of guys who played veteran players who had pretty good careers, who on the New York Mets was completely and utterly irrelevant. And 15 years from now, when my son is joining me on this podcast, right? (laughs) Who knows if I'll be employed? I don't know what I'll be doing. But when me and him are sitting here and we're talking about the Mets, I am going to forget Jose Batista was ever a Met. Devin Messerocco is the exact same thing. You'll say, yeah, Devin Messerocco, he was an all-star with the Reds Reds once, right? He was a catcher. Yeah. Oh, he played for the Mets? I completely forgot about that. Yeah, Batista, he was the guy, you know, came out of nowhere, bounced around baseball. All of a sudden, he's hitting 100,000 home runs. Everybody whispered, oh, that's got to be a PED guy. Did he play for the Mets? Yeah. It's like Jose Lima, you know, guy like that. You almost forget they played for the New York Mets. But he did. You almost forget Ron Artest played for the Knicks. He did. Metal World Peace played for the You almost forget about that, right? Steve Francis. Well, no, you don't forget Steve Francis played for the Knicks because he had to jump on the table when the Knicks got to the eighth seat for 35 seconds. I'm in Rosario, you don't trade, because you gotta <laughs> you gotta let him marinate, even though he just looks awful. I mean, you talk about a guy. It's amazing. I know I've said this before, but I'll be repetitive, whatever. A lot of famous people who are very powerful are very repetitive. Ahmed Rosario was rated as high as Glaber Torres a year ago. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Do scouts watch baseball? Or do they just make stuff up? I mean, seriously. Miguel Andahar sucks defensively, right? We heard that. That doesn't look that accurate. Michael Conforto, now I'm ripping his defense in center field, but center field is a tough place to play. Before he came up, we heard, can't play left field. He's so bad defensively. He's obviously better than that. And these same scouts said, yeah, Ahmed Rosario, he's as good as Glaber Torres. In fact, he may be better. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Oh, boy. This is not leading towards me admitting the Mets should trade Jacob DeGrom because they shouldn't trade Jacob DeGrom. He is the one beacon of hope in this dark hellhole that is the New York Mets. He really is. Even on a night like tonight, when your worst night of a season is six innings, three runs, 112 pitches, and you're laboring, that's your worst night. That's when you know you're good. But what I'd like to see from this team is I'd like to see a pulse. I'd like to see a manager not say after games, hey, you can't look at the record. 
You can't look at the record. You can't look at the record. Now, the, re- the record, it's not really the record. It's doing things the right way. What things are they doing the right way? When you watch this team, what are they doing the right way? Screwing up and not scoring with runners in scoring position? They're doing that the right way? I know it's irrational to say this manager should be one and done, but I got to tell you, I would not be screaming and yelling if they decided to can him after one year. Because what have you seen? And I know it's not all his fault. Don't waste my time and tell me it's not all his fault. I know it's not all his fault. I'm not a complete moron. But what have you seen from this guy that makes you believe he's the manager for this team? He sits there and makes excuses after games. He does not understand New York because I think a part of managing is getting it is getting this town, and they don't do things the right way. They're not the little engine that could. They're not battling and, oh, they just came up short. They're screwing up, whether it's with runners in scoring position, whether it's garbage bullpen efforts, whatever it is, they're not doing things the right way. And they said this on the broadcast, and this, I think, could be used against Mickey Calloway when you say, Hey, he should be gone after one year. He should go one and done. They are the fastest team in the history of baseball to go from 10 over to 10 under. That's how remarkable this season has been. And that's why in the dustpan of Met history, where there's so many forgettable seasons, there's a lot of them. I always look at 2009 to 2014 as interchangeable. I mean, think about it. It's kind of interchangeable. You think about those years where the Mets sucked every year. And sure, there were some years where they got off to good starts and you thought, hey, they're not half bad. But overall, that period of time in Met history is all mushed together. You know, you don't feel many differences between those seasons. Different ways of losing. This season, for whatever reason, I don't know. I'll forget guys like Jose Batista and Devin Messeraco, but I don't think I'm going to forget how they started 11 and 1 and miraculously had their season end by May. Cuz that's tough to do. And that's what they've done. And I'm going to give you an example of how beaten up the Met fans are. And I guess a part of me is going to rip Met fans, but a part of me is going to understand it cuz who the hell am I? I'm not at the game tonight. Now, I'll be there this week for the Met Pirate Series because I'm a real idiot. But I wasn't there tonight. And a lot of it was family obligations. A lot of it was I'm not dragging my wife to a Met game on a Saturday night. Uh, A lot of it was my season tickets were given to a guy who buys tickets from me weeks ago. But tonight was Jacob DeGrom versus Clayton Kershaw. And this ballpark not only had zero juice, the place felt empty through the television. But also through the television, it felt like a tennis match. There was nothing. And I have bemoaned over the last three years how disrespected Jacob DeGrom has been. And he has been. He's been the ace for three years. No John Smoltz. He's not the ace now. He's been the ace. When he's pitching game one in 2015 and he's striking out 13 guys, he was the ace. When he's fighting his way through Game 5 at Dodger Stadium, he was the ace. He's always been the ace. It's not Jacob deGrom's fault that the national media and a lot of local media as well 
pitched Matt Harvey as the ace or Noah Syndergaard as the ace. But Jake's always been the ace. This is not new. The dominance he's had this year, that's new. He's having a historic season. He's having the best year of his career. We all get that. He's always been the ace. Okay? That's not new. That's been the case for a while. But there has been nothing for his starts this year. He is having a better run than Matt Harvey had in 2013. There was juice every night Matt Harvey took the mound. There's been juice at times when Noah's taking the mound. We all know about Doc 85. That'll never be matched. There's nothing when Jake goes on the mound. In fact, there was more juice during R.A. Dickey's Cy Young season. Now, I think a big part of it is that the Met fan is beaten up. I think that's a big part of it. I think a big part of it is this is a franchise that's still only two and a half years removed from the World Series, a year and a half removed from a wild card game. And so to be 11-1 and and then completely tank like this takes a lot out of people. But there's nothing for Jacob DeGrom. Are Met fans even enjoying this? I know tonight wasn't a great night, but again, his worst night of the year, six innings, three runs. And forget the record, five and three, and the Mets is six and ten in his starts. The guy's got this ridiculously good earned run average. He has had a great, great season, and it feels like the Met fan is so beaten up by not only ownership, not only this manager, not only this offense, not only this bullpen, but everything that we are not able to enjoy the fact that the guy has a 1.69 earned run average and we're almost at July. But it's been like that because the reason why I guess it, I, I hope it changes or it should change is we have nothing else. Nothing. There is no reason to go to a Met game. There's no reason to watch a game other than just our loyalty that we have as fans of a team. The only thing we actually have is Jacob DeGrom. It's the only thing. Him chasing a Cy Young, and he could win a Cy Young. In this day and age, winning 11 games may be enough if you have the other numbers. So this is the one saving grace we have as Met fans. And I think Met fans, at least most of them, are so turned off by the product and so turned off by the team that they don't even care about that. Because there's no juice. There is zero extra juice when Jacob DeGrom's on the mound, and that's a shame for this guy. And I stand firm they shouldn't trade him. I stand firm that he's not thrown a lot of innings in his career, so I wouldn't be afraid of what he looks like at 33 or 34 and 35. And what I stand by, and I said this a year ago, and now it's a year later and it's going to make it more difficult, is they got to lock him up. Lock him up. Lock him Sounds like I'm at a rally, a political rally. Lock him up. As far as everything else is concerned, look, you put everything on the table. Everything else goes on the table. Robert Gazelman, Jairus Familia, Noah Syndergaard even, as Drupal Cabrera, Brandon, even, you know what, even Brandon, I put everything on the table. Doesn't mean I'm going to trade these guys. Doesn't mean there's even a deal out there that would make me want to trade anybody that, uh, of who I mentioned. I'm not giving people away. I need something back. But this team is going to be 31, and they're going to be 12 games under 500. They were 11 and 1 at one point. They were 11 and 1. How did this happen? I never thought they would be this bad. Never. At the beginning of the season, even before they played a game, 
Joe and I were saying, oh, boy, this over-under. I love the over. I love the over. Oh, my God. We are so stupid. So stupid. And you look at the Phillies, and you look at the Braves, and even the Nationals. Even if they lose Bryce Harper. They got Juan Soto, who still can't even drink a beer. And you know the Marlins will probably marinate their young players and become halfway decent. This is going to be a long haul. This is going to be bad. And why tonight, why did tonight bother me more than most nights? Maybe it's Jake pitching. Maybe it's the fact that Mickey Calloway was miked and I had to hear Mickey Calloway's forced, all right, guys, let's go get him. Let's jump on him early. Oh, my God. He's awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let me give you a, a little bit of a plan here of what I would do. All right? I'm going to tell you my plan. I would shop everybody on this team but the Grom. That doesn't mean I'm trading, guys. I got to see what I can get back. So I'm very open-minded going into July 31st. That's number one. Number two, you definitely, and, and I know Joe has said this at nauseum, but it's so true on so many levels. They got to go out and they got to show us that this ownership and this general manager realizes that what happened in 2017 and 2018 was unacceptable. And what they've got to do is they got to go out there and get the best guy on the market. And it just so happens, and how lucky are they, that we are entering a free agency in which the guys on the market are young. You're not going to have to give a 31-year-old a nine-year contract. You don't have to give a Robbie Cano contract, an Albert Pujols contract. This moment in time is so rare. It doesn't happen. Guys of this age don't get to free agency at this age. They have got to step up and add either Bryce or Manny. I know they won't. I understand that. I know what they're going to do. They're going to put more Band-Aids on this just infested body that is the New York Met core. I get that. I know what they're going to do. I'm telling you what they should do. What I should do is end this podcast and go to bed. Because talking about the New York Mets, watching the New York Mets, is awful for my health. This has been a New York Mets hit rock bottom. Matt Kemp hits a grand slam. The Mets can't score runs. They could have bases loaded, nobody out. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Mets suck edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Remember, Joe and I, Monday morning at 10 a.m. Goodbye.